Hello, Alberto. How are you? Good. How are you, Ben? Thank you for having um, me. I, my absolute pleasure. It's um, I should be thanking you for taking the time to join us, or tonight, or today, whatever time it is. Uh, there with you. Um, yeah, it's in. Um, you are based in Florida. Is that correct? I'm in Miami, Florida. Yes, and Fantastic. thank you again for having me. Because I always welcome the opportunity not to do other things that are perhaps more urgent work-wise. I would rather just spend time chatting with you and with everybody else in the meeting. Yeah, I was speaking to my wife about that before, and I was saying that I, that I had you on, and she was, "Oh, wow, that's 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 impressive." And I said, um, "It's it's you'll always see how people just really just like to talk about stuff and talk about mm -hmm. the stuff that they do. So, and um, that works to my benefit for sure. So I'm pleased um, you can hear and you can pro procrastinate a little bit with us. And uh, Love yeah, talk about whatever we're going to talk about. Probably these things are very informal and we talk about lots of different subjects. Probably today, a little bit about data visualization, I suppose. Maybe a little bit. We can talk bit. about other things too. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Um, so do you want to uh, just like, introduce yourself and give a, a background as to who you are and then sure. we can kick off from there. Yeah, so hello everyone. My name is Alberto Cairo. I am a professor of officially visual journalism at the University of Miami. I am tenure in the Department of Journalism at the university and um, I, a, a, I also work for a, a program in data science because what I teach is at the intersection of communication data science, statistics, because I teach data visualization and information design in general. So I teach people how to design better maps, better graphs, better explanation graphics. I've taught anything from traditional data visualization to 3D modeling, 3D animation, visual explanations. Um, so I'm a journalist by training. And I've been okay. here at Miami for like 10 years or so already. Wow, very nice. That's uh, quite the introduction. Um, <laughs> A lot of topics there, all about uh, data visualization, of course. A couple of them um, I found particularly interesting straight away, stuff like, you know, just designing better maps, uh, that sort of thing, because... Um, I love I, maps, yeah. yeah <laughs> I love that you said that, because up until really recently, I really didn't like maps in data visualization, but that's only because I've been exposed to bad maps in data visualization, which I suppose kind of leads directly into um, One of what the... you do. One of the things that I teach in my classes, and also I, I keep repeating in workshops and trainings everywhere, is that I got into data visualization because eventually, so I am a, I am a journalist by training. I used mm. to work in newspapers, doing explanation graphics, illustrations, 3D modeling, but I also included maps in, maps in my work. And eventually mm. I realized, well, my maps are not that great. So let me look into okay. this map stuff. So I, I started reading about cartography, thematic mapping, and obviously that involves a lot of statistics. Mm. So I, I got into data visualization because I got interested in, in, in thematic cartography. And I eventually, that, that led my career towards data visualization. So mapping is a great, is a great let's say, gateway drug towards data visualization. Interesting, yeah. I, um, for me, it was seeing too many, I mean, I work primarily or almost exclusively, I should say primarily, almost exclusively with, with, with Power BI from Microsoft and of course, mm -hmm. and uh, I saw just a lot of maps where it was like, you know, a point to represent something. So a big map and then a point for net sales and that net sales is in, in Germany and this one is here. And I was like, that could be it. It didn't have to be a, a map. It doesn't look good. Yeah, it just didn't. Sometimes, I mean, maps are like in any, like any other type of graphic, right? It's like sometimes we use visualizations in sort of like a gratuitous way. Just yeah. because I want to use a graphic, I'm going to use a graphic, right? I, <laughs> I, I, that's one of the things that I try to teach my yeah. students when to use a graph, when to use a chart, when to mm. use a map. Each one of them may be appropriate in different circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah, really interesting. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to jump over to a couple of really random questions that I didn't expect to see uh, in the chat there. The first one is from, from Bernard, which I never read. Uh, do you really speak Chinese to your children? This is a really random question, but I like that random here. My, well, my younger kid speaks a little bit of Chinese to me sometimes, but I don't teach him Chinese because I don't know Chinese. Um, no. we, are, we are trilingual at home, though. We speak... Um, a, I, I speak Spanish because I'm from Spain. Uh, I speak English, obviously, because I teach in the United States. And we also speak Portuguese because my children are, are, were born in Brazil. So, yeah, we are trilingual. And then my younger one knows, knows, has learned a little bit of Chinese and 
he's very interested in Chinese. He's getting into Japanese now. So ah, nice. Yeah, we we'll need to go to Japan eventually because he's very into that. So yeah, that that's cool. I know um, Bernard actually speaks Japanese. I saw that he gave he gives like presentations and stuff. Japanese is very mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah. I, yeah, I also have a a, a a multilingual house myself. My wife's Italian. I'm English, and my kids grow up in Germany, so they speak German. And um, one of my favorite examples of that is but a few years ago, and um, this is going to digress a little bit, we'll get back to data visualization, I promise. Um, a few years ago now, my, my, my uh, wife's uh, niece, she was about five years old, and she had like an ice lolly in the freezer. And I didn't know it was her ice lolly. And it was a hot day. So I picked up the ice lolly and I, I opened it and I started eating it. And she She's speaking to me in Italian, just looking at me saying words. And I'm like, mm, yeah, it's delicious. Oh, it's so good. And just like she starts to cry. And I'm just basically eating her ice lolly in front of her face and she's begging me not to in Italian. I have no idea what's happening. And all, all the same time, go, oh, yeah, this is so delicious. Just like completely torn yeah, you, accidentally. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe because of the tone of the language, you thought that she was telling you nice things. And maybe she was <laughs> swearing. <laughs> Probably, yeah. If it was German, I would have known about it, right? Oh, man, love it. Uh, but yes, that's one of, that's my first random story out of the way, I promise. Um. Also brought up before just by um, Jeff, he mentioned, and I saw this as well, that you'd been um, with the uh, Power BI CAT team recently, and there was some photographs. How is that? How is how did what that is go? The Power BI, what is a Power BI CAT team? Oh, someone tell me what oh. CAT stands for again. Um, oh, it's... you mean the, the presentation that I gave recently? Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, got it. Sorry about that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, sorry, I thought that it was like an internal job. The CAT team. What is the CAT team? Oh, <laughs> customer as something. Someone yeah, tell me yeah. in the chat what it means. Yeah, sorry. I didn't even remember the acronym. I thought that you were some sort of joke uh, about <laughs> no, cat, no, cat, no. Cat, cat people and dog people or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was sort of like a semi-improvised talk. I, I, uh, so I just went there and I just did my own thing. I did a, a sort of like a quick and fast presentation about um, mm. general principles of how, to, not principles, I'm not very into, I mean, the older I get, the less I speak about principles and rules. Okay. And, the, okay. and the more that I, that I talk about reasoning. What is the reasoning process hmm. behind designing a visualization? I, I tend to believe that there are really not rules that are set in stone, hmm. but we ca what we can develop is a system in which we can, we can talk about the reasons that we can give ourselves and that we can give others to make one choice or a different choice whenever hmm. we are designing a visualization. So I presented a little bit about that, so that, that type of thinking that I'm, I've been sort of like developing in the last, in the last couple of years. Very cool. I think there's a lot of people who I kind of interact with in the in the Twitter area with the Power BI who are kind of pushing for better visualizations within Power BI at the moment. So I think yeah, that's it, no, that's great. That's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but data visualization can be an extremely powerful tool for analysis, but also for communication. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great. We'll see. We'll get there. I actually, it's f the whole concept of, of, of data visualization, though I've been working with Power BI since like 2000, early 2017, I think I only really started thinking about it probably in the past year, maybe a bit mm -hmm. less. Probably I started using this the Deneb, which you can use um, Vega Light to, mm -hmm. to do some visualization of data and that because I was doing so much of myself, so much of the actual creating mm -hmm. and the the code and the designing, I kind of put yeah, more, more yeah, thought more into the, it. The J JavaScript side of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And because in the past, and actually it was quite funny because I got um, your book, The, the Truthful Art. Um, I, I, I bought this and I've, I've been enjoying it. And the first few pages, you said something which immediately resonated with me because I thought I knew, I thought I knew a decent amount about data visualization. And mm -hmm. then I realized that I, I didn't. And the more that I learned, the more I realized that I didn't know, which I think is one of the first things that you talk about in the book, like this, this, this island of knowledge or something, and as it expands around, yeah. One of the one of the paradoxes of knowledge is that uh, the more that you learn about something, the less that you feel that you actually know about that. But that, but that is the process. I would I would say that that's a process of developing wisdom because you you become aware of your of your of your knowledge gaps. Mm -hmm. And and then you can try to fill them up or or keep exploring or, because what really matters is in any journey is in any journey is not the destination it's the journey itself mm -hmm. like the journey itself makes you a sort of like a better a better professional I got this funny story in a recent 
workshop that I gave, very long workshop, like eight hours about, you know, introduction to data visualization, reasonable data visualization. And one of the statisticians who attended the workshop said, I really enjoyed the workshop. It was a lot of fun. But now I have many more questions that I did <laughs> at the very beginning. I said, yeah, that's that's the spirit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the spirit. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And this is why when you, if you give a presentation or any sort of training, you know, as you go through, like in the first section, no one really speaks up. But then at the end, as you say, it kind of starts to get progressively louder as it continues because people are exploring something that they didn't think about before, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, just combine a couple of things together here. Um, Daniel, who uh, is the, the creator of Dan Evan. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, the, yeah. The truthful uh, art was my gateway drug. I, I, I wonder what, what, what Daniel's background is. Uh, are you a data scientist or an analyst, Daniel, maybe? I, and I the should... reason I'm asking you is the following. Is that it's funny to me that people like you all read mm -hmm. that book and enjoy that book. I mean, I heard that, for instance, the, that book has been adopted in data science programs as a gateway drug towards data science. I said, but cool. it's not a data science book. It's a journalism mm. book. Mm. It's a book that I wrote specifically, it's a, a book written by a journalist for journalists, just mm. because my profession has a huge knowledge gap when it comes to even super simple descriptive statistics. I said, well, maybe it is time to explain all this stuff and do it in a in a visual way, and then you know teach people how to perhaps create better graphics. But it's a book for journalists and designers, and then you know people like you all start adopting. I mean, I'm, I don't complain. I'm, I'm flattered, <laughs> flattered about it. I love it. I really appreciate it. I feel humbled, and I I, I really really appreciate that it's the gateway drug towards mm. uh, to to this field for for so many people. That that again, that's flattering. That's flattering. It's interesting to me that that, you, that your background is is journalism, and you mentioned the the visualize um, data visualization within journalism. I often feel that there are some types of visualization that have quite a bad reputation simply because mm -hmm. they've been used terribly within, more specifically, political journalism. Mm -hmm. um, the classic being on a, like election nights and percentage of that kind of thing. Uh, that's always been like my go-to, you know, people hate pie, pie charts because you see the world's worst pie charts in the world if you look at like political journalism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the, the thing about pie chart, I mean, the pie chart is, is like, it's like what we said before, both of us said before about maps. I mean, there are certain circumstances in which a pie chart is perfectly fine. It's perfectly mm -hmm. fine, perfectly appropriate. It's only that like any other type of data visualization, it has its, its uses, but it can be misused. Right, but we should never rule out any type mm. of graphic, particularly a type of graphic that so many people understand, right? And then so many. It, I mean, that doesn't mean that you should start putting pie charts everywhere in your dashboards. That's not what I mean. I'm going to do it. It's just, it's just one more word that you can yeah. use in your data visualizations. One more, one more symbol, yeah. one part of the vocabulary of visualization. So, so it, it's a possibility, but I shouldn't create all my reports, all the pie charts, and say that Alberto Cairo said it was okay. No, no, no. The okay. same way that I would never say that everything should be a bar graph or a scatter plot. As much as I love scatter plots, sometimes a scatter plot is not the right way to present an idea. It's like, they, they, remember by the way that I, I always talk about visualization from the point of view of communication, right? Data visualization can be used for analysis. That's not what I teach. I teach visualization for communication. Uh, so every graphic can help you make a point. Sometimes the point can be made through a pie chart. Sometimes it can be made through a bar graph. Sometimes it can be made through a scatter plot. So what you need to figure it out is which graphic better represents the insight that you want to provide this like we say in journalism the story that you want to tell right although although visualizations not always tell stories we in journalism overuse the term storytelling mm -hmm. right sometimes a, a data visualization is just a data visualization it's not a story right mm -hmm. but it's all related to the point that you're trying to make yeah good point um that it's Data, the, the concept of um, data stories is, is always something that I think about as well, because I always think about the, and I've, I've spoken about this before with a couple of other people, but this, 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 the story and the bias of the story that you tell, you know, the yeah. classic example being... That, that's what I mean by overusing the word mm. story. For me, a story involves some sort of narrative. So it, it's mm. sort of like difficult to tell that a single chart tells a story. Well, not really. You can build a story in your brain with the help of the chart. That is different. Mm. 
but it's not the chart that tells you the story. You tell the story to yourself. It is different, for example, if you have a sequence of charts and they are tied together, let's say, by a you know a thread, a narrative thread. That's different. That's storytelling, mm. right? Mm. But I don't know. I, I I have sort of like that's a pet peeve of mine. The the, the overuse of the term story for everything yeah. in journalism in particular. Would it, like an infographic fit in with that similar? An info, yeah, infographic is sort of like a term that is also uh, it has been overused, right? For me, and an information infographics and information graphics. So mm. any sort of combination of different types of charts, maps, diagrams, explanatory illustrations mm. with the goal of communicating something is an infographic. So it's a very vague and broad term. Right? But I don't care that much about definitions, honestly, and about terms. I, uh, I use them in very particular ways. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, here's a question that I don't fully understand. Maybe you do. Um, there are lots of books on visualization, but hardly any on data visualization. Any on data visualization? Yeah, that's an interesting, an, an interesting question. Um, all, I mean, most of my books deal with data visualization under my own definition of data visualization. My definition mm -hmm. of data visualization is uh the the visual representation of data usually quantities although data is not always a quantity but it usually is most of the time not always because there's also categorical data obviously right but sure. so you transform those numbers you map those numbers onto objects usually those objects are geometric objects and then you vary certain attributes of those objects according to the data that you're representing. In a bar graph, you begin with a bunch of rectangles, and then you vary the height or the length of those rectangles to create the bar graph. We call that the encoding, right? Which you are encoding mm. the information through the variation of the height of the bar. So whenever you're doing that, you're doing that. You're making a data visualization. That's 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 what my own definition of data visualization. For me, visualization is broader. Right. For me, mm -hmm. I, without the data, without the that 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 other word in the term, visualization is something a little bit broader. For me, the way that I define visualization is any sort of visual representation that is intended, uh, that has been designed with the goal of revealing what you cannot otherwise see. So, for example, this drawing that I have over here on the left, mm -hmm. this is an original by. Fernando Baptista, who is one of the main designers at National Geographic magazine. You don't see it very well, but it's a, um, an illustration of the Sagrada Familia, which is the cathedral in Barcelona. And this is one of the earlier sketches. He was doing sort of like what it looks like from the outside. And then he was doing a cutaway of the building. And then he was showing what the building looks like. The final graphic looks beautiful. This is one of the, of the earlier sketch, sketches that he made. Well, this is a visualization for me, right? In that, in that very broad definition of the word. But it's not a data visualization under my own definition of the of the term, right? Okay, so we're kind of getting a kind of visualization of architecture somehow as well as now. Is, uh, so we have another question related to that. It says there is lots of books about visualization, but not many on dashboards. That I missed that. That's yeah, that is yeah. that is different, right? It's like. Well, there are some very good books about dashboards, right? You have the big book of dashboards. You have information dashboard design by Stephen Few. Those are, you know, very good intro books, in my opinion. Um, mm. At least I enjoy I enjoy reading them. I'm not an expert on dashboards or anything, but those are books that I would that I would recommend as a as an amateur amateur on on, on dashboard design. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I do have that thing as well, because obviously, like, primarily when I'm creating or, you know, visualizations, data visualizations for, you know, financial reporting or some kind of finances, that kind of thing. And what I have to admit that I do quite often is I'll, a classic example was like two days ago, I was asked to do some changes to a report and I want to put in a little bit of dinner, make it more interesting. And I create a visualization, top of the page, you know, net sales versus previous year, bottom of the page, next net sales versus plan. Looks very nice, looks very tidy. Feedback, which everyone agreed with. It was like, can you not, you've shown net sales twice. Can you not just combine it and put your net sales in the previous year and your plan all in one visualization? Which mm -hmm. I did, because mm -hmm. I understand it's easier to look at all in one go. But I still maintain it looked so much better split because it was just too much on you wanted you know? perhaps to create a, a deeper experience. You wanted people to navigate the, the data a little bit, a little bit further, a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was my problem. No one liked it. <laughs> well, that, I usually say, you know, um, uh, one thing that that experience teaches you is that 
no matter how long you've been in this field, you know nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like I even I mean today after 25 years designing visualizations, I get things wrong all the time. Nothing resist the test against reality and reality in the sentence means the reader it's like mm. you design something applying the best rules of visualization the best principles of visualization principles of interaction design mm. i've been in this field for 25 years i know what i'm doing and then you design this beautiful display you show to the reader and the reader is like okay where do i begin reading <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, I've been in that situation constantly throughout my career and it humbles you. It makes you, yeah. it makes you again sort of like realize that what really matters is what the reader experiences. That's what really matters. And, and, and mm. you need to respond to that. So if your potential reader says, well, I don't understand this or I would prefer something a little bit more, you know, well packaged, mm. a little bit more condensed, a little bit more concise, you can argue back saying, well, if I reduce this too much, then we are going to lose this detail that is super, yeah. super important. Yeah. I mean, that in that way, you can establish a conversation. That's one of the reasons why I say that visualization design is not based on the application of rules. It's more like a conversation mm-hmm. that can happen with yourself, that can happen with, with other people, with, your, with stakeholders, with your clients, with your readers. And then you adjust your behavior, meaning your design, according to that conversation. It's a back and forth, giving each other reasons to do things or reasons not to do things or to do things differently. Hmm. Nice. I'm going to bring up another question, see how we go with this one. Um, what would be the first step you would suggest an organization that wants to become data driven? <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that, that, that's a big question, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know. Perhaps, yes, you know, try to persuade people of the value of. I would. All right. So let me let me see if I can I can take a detour. And, Go for um, it. Yeah. I think that data hmm. and visualization as part hmm. of the sort of like the data analysis or data science cycle or pipe. Data is just an instrument. And, and 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 data visualization is just an instrument to to visual to see that other instrument to understand that other instrument better, right? In philosophy, people usually say, well, you know, we have final goals and we have instrumental goals, right? For me, visualization mm-hmm. and data are just instrumental goals. What really matters is understanding. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to actually persuade people that. You know, grasping data or using data, even if it is a, in, in, a, in a very basic way and using visualization, can lead us to better understanding. And, and that mm-hmm. persuasion needs to happen with the specific examples that apply mm-hmm. to, that, to that organization. You need to show people how that works and why that works. And then, again, you use that sort of like you, you plant your, your food in the door and you, you use that, that, that gap to start introducing you know, lessons teaching people how to do that, right? Beginning mm. with, you know, basic statistics, not necessarily statistics in the sense of teaching people how to calculate stuff, but to teach them the conceptual level of statistical thinking, probabilistic thinking, scientific thinking, ev- evidence-driven thinking, right? Mm. Sometimes people are a little bit scared about numbers, right? They think that, you know, working with data is you know, opening up, opening up huge uh, spreadsheets and, you know, just, just apply complex formulas. And obviously that is involved, right? But if you just begin with that, people are going to be scared and people are going to, you are going to experience a lot of rejection. Begin with the fun part. With, not with the fun in the sense of funny or in the sense, but in the sense of the, in the sense of, sense of joyful. Take mm. a look at how cool this is. The mm. types of stuff that we could get if we apply all these techniques and all these. Um, mm. So yeah, lead by example, I would say. Interesting. I really enjoyed that you ended on that point about the, showing people the cool part, the, 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 this sort of thing. Because I remember um, when I very first started working with, with, with Power BI and rolling it out and showing it to like the boss's boss, you know, um, just the sheer joy and the, the questions like, so if I click on this, does it what is going change? To and does it, right? yeah, does it, mm-hmm. the axes move? And they're like, yeah, that, yeah. Cu- like, oh. that curiosity, feed, feed that curiosity, right? When yeah. I say showing the cool part, I don't mean the flashy part. Mm. I mean the part that may ignite that curiosity because it may provide insights into mm. the information that people are dealing with. That's what really will uh, feed 
that mm. that impulse to getting deeper into all these all these things with, with more and more people using bi tools and not just power bi all all bi tools and i think maybe more data visualization being more frequently used do you think that they um maybe an exaggerated question they're a force for good visualization or or, or bad visualization um I'm difficult to tell. I don't know. <laughs> That's such a general question. I mean, yeah. we see plenty of bad visualizations out there, right? And mm. but we also see plenty of good work. So I don't know. It's difficult, difficult for me to tell. Yeah, I, I just take example of like the average person. I mean, I'll use myself as the example. Mm. Person who knows nothing about visualization, creating this my first probably. I don't know. Let's 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 be honest. Fifty reports, probably with pretty basic visualizations and stuff, mm -hmm. and then slowly trying to, uh, to, to get better, so yeah. trying yeah. to learn and trying to understand. And I would say probably, I mean, you see, of course, you know, lots of reports that don't look good and don't really, as you say, don't really help. Um, so, But if it, if it does help, mm. it's good. So if yeah. I report, no matter what people tell you, I mean, my first visualizations were terrible, terrible in the sense that they look ugly and busy and whatever. And, and I would not call them good, right? But mm. if you're taking your first steps in visualizations and you think that you, your visualizations don't look as good as what you would like them to be, just try to improve. But if yeah. in the meantime, those visualizations that you are creating at that point mm. are useful, then they are good. That's what a visualization is for, yeah. right? That's the instrument, no matter what mm. experts in visualization tell you, right? It's like, yeah. if it works, it works. That's what it's makes a, a visualization. It's a, it's a good data insight. doesn't matter if yeah. you've used, used the yeah. wrong color or put too much drop shadow, a, shadow on it. That is, that is, those are just things that we can discuss, we can have a debate about. Yeah, but if yeah. it works, it works. If you have a purpose in mind, you want to communicate something, you encode your data in a visualization, you present it to a reader, and the reader gets the message that you're trying to convey, mm. that's a good graphic. That's, mm. that's the very definition of a good graphic. Right? Fair enough. Hold, one last question. Not one last question, a little bit more. How did, where therefore do, do, do matrices and tables fit in there? Because I know obviously like a, like a matrix and a table, the big mm -hmm. bugbear sometimes is when you, oh, please create this report. And uh, I just want lots of tables, lots of matrices. Well, I, I discuss tables in my, mm. in my classes. And mm. I mean, a table is just another way to represent the information. Mm. If it works, it works. Right. So it, I mean, it, it's all, again, it's all based on a conversation with whoever is going to consume your mm. report, your graphic, your infographic, your data visualization is that do they want to see every specific value? If the answer is yes, then design a table, don't design a data visualization. Or do they care more about, let's say, the big picture of the data, the sort of like the patterns and trends in the data? Mm. In that case, you need a data visualization problem and you don't need a table. Sometimes people need both, in which case you need to give people the option to choose between data visualizations and tables. And they just click a tab and they, you can see the data visualization, you can, click, you can click the table. And you also need to remember that people consume information differently. Some people mm. are very detail-oriented mm. and they prefer to see every specific numbers. And some people are more, more like holistic thinkers that like to see general patterns. Uh, those are two different ways of thinking about the evidence at hand. And mm. if you can satisfy both types of audiences, why wouldn't you do it? Why would you force feed a data visualization to the detail-oriented person, right? Just give them the data. Then you can try to advocate and evangelize a little bit, saying, well, but take mm. a look at if we transform this into a map or a graphic. Take a look at this particular pattern will not be visible on the table. And that mm. way is how you persuade. But tables may have their, their value on their own. I'll remember that one. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring up a larger question now. So before, I'm actually trying to come back to it. So I'll read this one now. What do you think is the role of audience research and data visualization? I see a lot of proposed rules, but not much talk about how to assess reader understanding and perception. That's an excellent, excellent question. Is one of the one of the biggest knowledge gaps in, in visualizations. How how we incorporate uh, user experience research in data visualization, right? There are mm. people who are working in this area, right? Uh, but yeah, it needs to be in, that needs to increase. So whenever you are designing a product, why don't you make user research part of the development of the product? Like it would happen with a, with a website. If you're designing a website, obviously you're going to test the website to see if it works or not. So why not making that part of the design of a data visualization? Now, 
That said, it greatly depends on where you're, what, what, let's say, what area you work at. For example, it's difficult to do in journalism, just because in journalism, the turnout of products is so fast. Sometimes mm. you design a visualization literally in two hours or less than that, right? So it's difficult to incorporate the testing to that to that process. But if you're designing a dashboard, you're designing an, an online report, if you're designing an interactive tool to be presented to the public, UX design, UX research, etc. all those things need to be incorporated. And those are areas of expertise, meaning that I would not recommend anybody here to sort of like start doing UX research on their own. Hire someone who knows what they are talking about, right? So, because I, I would not there doing that part of the job myself. I'm just the, you know, the guy who draws pretty pictures, so to speak. But <laughs> a little bit more than that, but yeah. Pretty pictures on data, exactly. That's a, yeah. a line that I use quite often. Do you... Um, you mentioned before before we actually went live that this um large cool looking device behind your head is a, a what you mm -hmm. use for sketching do you also yeah. draw data visualize i mean do you sketch and for that's really cool yeah i but it's but it's not for sketching data visualizations i i i i draw when i have a you know a few hours to i uh. actually do sketching and drawing right i i like a comic books when I was a teenager and and games and stuff and you know I, I like reading about different things I, I like history for example okay. in the past couple of years I've been doing a series of illustrations about the about the seventh century based on archaeological wow. uh, evidence yeah just for fun and I like maps and I like drawing maps by hand so I have a collection of hand-drawn hand maps I sketch them by hand uh, in big paper, then I have them scanned in high resolution. Mm. I bring them into my computer, and then I add color and details in Photoshop, and then in Adobe Illustrator, um, just for fun. It's it's a fun wow. activity for me. Yeah, that sounds very fun. Do you post them online? Because I'm, I'm curious now. You yeah, have a, I sometimes yeah. have posted on some some sketches on Twitter. I've not posted. Uh, them for quite a while but yeah for okay. a while i was posting because i was uh, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic at the beginning of the pandemic i had so many zoom meetings to attend in which i didn't have to present just listen to people yeah. that i discovered that having something in my hand and having my hands occupied while i was listening mm. helped me keep my attention more focused on the meeting in the meeting so I was attending the meeting and I was sketching things out. And then I said, well, I could get those sketches and then improve them. So I got myself that table just essentially to finish up the sketches that I was making during Zoom meetings. <laughs> I I am the same about fidgeting. I have to have something in my hand if I, if I can have exactly something. Exactly right. You keep your hands busy so you will not feel the temptations yeah. to go to social media or whatever, right? Absolutely. I did make a terrible mistake because I have to admit on occasion I'm a bit of an idiot. And I had a pen knife, which I actually still do have by my desk. And I was just sitting in it and just playing with it. And I opened it and I was messing oh, around no. with it. Yeah, I cut my hand in the middle of a meeting. I was like, why would you Ouch. choose a knife to play, to play with? First of all, if people on the camera see, you look like a psychopath. Um, but also, yeah, I, I cut my hand, which was not, not uh, uh, my strongest the hour. The Hannibal Lecter of data visualization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, Kerry also comment on the number. So your books behind you are a mix, a combination of history books, comic books, and data visualization books. Then yeah, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I, I like I like reading. Uh, I like writing, and I like I like reading, and I like reading about the the strangest strangest things. So I, I I was talking to a friend the other day. This this shelf that you see here, and this mm -hmm. other shelf over here, I call those my seventh century uh, shelves. All those are books about the seventh century wow. in the Mediterranean. So what happened mm -hmm. in the in the in the Byzantine Empire, the rise of Islam in Arabia, the Visigothic okay. Kingdom of Spain, and you may ask, why do you read about all that? I said, I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I just enjoy doing. It. So I have PhD dissertations. I have books. Mm -hmm. I have. You know, tons of archaeological papers uh, on archaeology. That's like what people, what types of of of, of clothing people use at the time, weapons and stuff. Mm. I just find it fascinating. And then I have an assortment of books over here, anything mm. from science fiction and crime novels, and then obviously books about visualization. They are down there, I believe, and then up there, although you don't see them, but there are more books up there in the close to the ceiling these are half of my books the other half are in my office of the at the university wow that's very much. i love to hear about the 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 random hobbies and interests 
that people have um, because it, you know, an outlet away from work or especially the things that people got really in, things that had a passing interest in, but got really into, you know, because of the pandemic. And, and you some, know? some of these interests feed into each other, right? It's like one mm. of the reasons I got into data visualization eventually, and one of the reasons I got into news infographics at the very beginning mm. is that I knew how to draw and I also liked maps. Why did I like maps? Well, because I like I like when I was a teenager tabletop games, and I still like tabletop games. And you know, tabletop games use tons of maps, and I used to draw maps. And mm. so one interest ends up sort of like weirdly feeding into each other. And these days, for example, I'm thinking about the intersection between a tabletop game design and mm. data visualization and information design. How those things are interrelated to each other. So I don't know. Perhaps when That's I retire. Cool. I will do something related to that. <laughs> That's cool. Actually, interestingly, that the last time um, I did one of these was um, two weeks ago, and the guy I was speaking to, Kurt, he was really into like Dungeons and Dragons, you know. And oh yeah, he... I played I played tons of Dungeons and Dragons when I was in college, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And other role playing games. I have, I mean, my role playing game collection is downstairs, not here. Okay. Here, here I only have the serious books to impress people. Ah, the, okay, non the non serious books are downstairs, all the games. <laughs> and stuff, yeah. Don't, I mean, you, you could also very easily impress us with your tabletop games and those sort of books, mate. Trust me. Oh, there, there's one behind <laughs> me. There's a tabletop game over here. I was, uh, yeah, looking into go. it. Yeah, yeah. I used to really like, love playing uh, Risk. This was my the, the game that I really enjoyed. These ones are a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can understand. I never got into a really complex one. I just remember that I was playing Risk with my friends once and I, I held Asia for like four rounds. I was like, yes, that was awesome. Yeah, and that, that, that's, that's about it. Really. That's, that's victory in Risk. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I've learned, what I've discovered is that the more I've, I've learned, because um, obviously I spent quite a long time, you know, learning about your Power BI and then that led on the topics. Um, I've never been able to play an instrument. And it always frustrated me. And I'm coming up to my 40th birthday, like in two months. And I was like, it really annoys me that I've been defeated by in by music that I can't play an instrument. So I decided that I will, I did research on what are quite easy instruments to learn. to learn. Uh -huh. And I discovered that the ukulele was, was high up there. So I was like, nice. get a ukulele. And maybe you can see I've got like one or two there. Uh -huh. um, and I realized that the way I learn is completely different now. I'm so mm -hmm. much more patient. I'm so, I used to, my problem was always that I used to pick something up and say, okay, why am I not immediately awesome? This is very annoying, but I really am more patient than I learn, and I much more enjoy the journey of the learning now. I can, yeah, I can laugh at my mistakes. It, it, and... It's the journey, not the destination that matters, right? Yes, but it's like, right. it's like drawing. Right. Yeah. I, I used to draw a lot when I was a teenager. And but when I got when I got into college, I, I abandoned drawing for, for okay. a while. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, just because, thanks to Zoom, Zoom meetings, I started recovering my sketching skills. Got a piece of paper, got a pencil and started sketching ideas out. The first sketches that I made back in 2020, they looked terrible. But mm -hmm. the more sketches I made, the better I, the better, the more I recovered my older, my older skills and the mm. sheer process of seeing daily improvement. That's what keeps you going. So it doesn't really matter that you will eventually become, you know, a new Kalele masters or whatever, or that I will become Leonardo da Vinci. That's crazy, right? That's not what I'm aiming for. I'm mm. just enjoying, enjoying the process. I'm just yeah. enjoying the state of flow that you enter when you're doing something that is, sort of like absorbing in in some sense and and that you enter a state of a state of mindfulness so to mm. speak you, you you lose sense of the rest of the world and you focus your entire attention in well in this case in the meeting that you're listening to but your hands are fully focused on the mm. on the drawing in my case and that state sort of like helps you concentrate later in other things so in some sense mm. you are training your concentration. I mean, it sounds like a self. I'm sounding like a self-help guru, uh, <laughs> but 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 I'm not. I assure you that I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely not. That can, that can be your next book, right? Self-help. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to write about after after these. Honestly, yeah, I, I have to think about new topics. Yeah, maybe have a a few month pause and then see what comes up to you. Yeah. 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 
and I, I was speaking to someone and they same similar sort of thing and i was I remember a long time ago i read someone about someone saying that they they had a lot of hobbies and they was explaining to someone that I, they did theater they did music they did this they did that and then they said but i'm not really good at any of them and their mm -hmm. personal response said it doesn't matter it's like it's it, being good is a great goal to have but if you if you get pleasure from doing those things and you're it's that's just... that's that's the whole purpose i mean it's like i have a very very pragmatic view of life what really matters in life is to enjoy and help other people enjoy that's the whole purpose of life that it's that simple there is actually this very old saying by an author i have the book somewhere who used to say all that there is to morality it's not rules or what no it's enjoy and help other people enjoy that's mm. what really matters we are going to be in this world for 70, 80, 90 years, if we are lucky, right? All that we can hope for is that we will have good health, that we can enjoy what we have, that we can help our families grow, that we can help other people learn and, 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 and run better lives. That's all that truly matters to me. I don't care about anything else. I don't have higher goals than those, honestly. I think it's, um, I think someone mentioned before about uh, maturity and, and learning, etc. Maybe this is also something that, I don't know, comes with age as well, kind of also just looking at, you know, what, what you want, what makes you happy and what satisfies you. Or, or and and what makes other people happy. That's also, that's also important. It's like one of the high, one of the highest satisfactions in life, for example, as a, as a teacher, not only as a professional, because I, as you know, I have a dual career doing things and making things and then also teaching them. Right. Mm. But one mm. of the highest, I mean, the highest value of this career, one of the highest satisfactions is getting an email from a former student saying, you know, I am working, I don't know, on retail sales analysis or whatever, but I'm still using the what I learned in your class about mm. graphics, like 10 years on. I said, you just made my day. <laughs> Thank you so nice. much. There's nothing else to life. That That's what brings joy, right? That's true. Good point. The, um, the, the, the sketching, the, the drawing, I mean, this obviously kind of plays pretty well with the visualization of data and I'm mm -hmm. not an artistic person at all. Yes, mm -hmm. maybe one day I can teach myself to play that thing. Okay. But when it comes to drawing, like mm -hmm. I had an ex-girlfriend and she referred to me, my, my artistic abilities as worryingly childlike. And I cannot argue with that. It's, <laughs> it's so true. That's um, so then, funny. But even if it is a stick figure that can help. So if you're interested in sketching, I would recommend, uh, there is a wonderful book uh, titled uh, The Back of the Napkin by uh, Dan Rohm. Uh, the Back of the Napkin. The Back of the Napkin. Okay. The Back of the Napkin. That's what it is. It's like how you press, how you ideate explanation graphics in the back mm. of a napkin, literally. Yeah. It's like you get a, a, a small a paper napkin and you start sketching an explanation of a process, for example, within an organization. It's a fun book and it's all stick figures. It's like funny, super simple stick figures with arrows and stuff. And it's so well done. And what Dan cool. says in the book is that you don't need to be a great artist. I mean, if you are great, fantastic, but you don't really need to be. Mm -hmm. It's like you need to sort of like lower that barrier of entry to, to, to the sketching wall because mm -hmm. sketching is like, uh, so I, Perhaps I'm rumbling a little bit here, but it's like... We're here to ramble. Me, yeah, we can ramble as much as we want, right? And, and I'm not in a rush to leave. This is the perfect excuse not to write. <laughs> so um, I was about to say that I see a sketching a little bit like I see data visualization. It's like data visualization to me, again, is not a final goal. It's an instrumental mm -hmm. goal. And writing itself is not a final goal. Writing a book, for example. I sometimes write things just because I want to understand them better. Right? It's like the process of writing forces you to organize your thoughts. And in the process of organizing your thoughts, you end up understanding the topic better. Data visualization is the same. The process of creating a data visualization helps you understand the data better. And the process of a sketching may reveal realities that you never thought about. So I don't know. I would encourage you to, even if it is just stick figures and, and arrows, I would, I would encourage you to keep practicing and perhaps get that book and, and take a look at it. There are others, sketch it's, noting. There's, there are books about sketch noting that are also quite good, but that is the one that I would recommend. I will probably definitely get, I mean, probably definitely, I will definitely get that book because it does sound very cool and it sounds like it'll be helpful for and someone it, And like it's me. fun. It's fun to read. It's yeah. very visual, obviously. Yeah, of course, for sure. Um, that's really cool. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And maybe one day I can 
one day if, if I need to advance beyond worryingly childlike. But if I don't, I can be now rest assured that you've told me that a bit happier with my my. my <laughs> I gave you, I gave you permission to create bad drawings. Well, exactly. by, by the way, talk, talking about drawings, do you know the weblog Math with Bad Drawings? No. Math with Bad Drawings. I would recommend that you check that out. Math with bad drawings. Uh, the guy who runs that weblog also has several books. He has one about, for example, calculus, explaining calculus okay. using bad drawings, like back of the napkin style drawings. And he's pretty good. That that guy is also amazing. I don't remember his name uh, but it, uh, right now. But it, it, um, oh, sorry. It's in, I have it in the tip of my tongue. So I oh, have such fine. a bad memory. Any, anyway, yeah, math with bad drawings. I would strongly yes. recommend that. Really good. So so I think someone it eventually the... became a book too. Yeah. Oh, there Jeff, you go. Some... Jeff got yeah, the links there. The link. Yeah. Thank so, you. So yeah, so I would much. recommend everyone to check that. I, I love recommending books, as you can see. But this is <laughs> this this is truly good. It's truly a lot of fun. No, it's really helpful to have them as well because it's the sort of thing. I mean, yes, you can kind of stumble across it, but um, to have the recommendation to yeah. um, Ben Orling. There you go. So Chai just mentioned, okay. yeah, it's Ben Orling. I had it at the tip of my tongue. Yeah. In a few months, we're all going to have backgrounds like yours, just full of full of books <laughs> and, and what have exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. All recommended by Alberto Cairo. <laughs> You should you should just, just start like a like a, a book club with recommendations. Start writing blurbs and all, all that kind of stuff. So. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not working on a on a book club, but um, one of the things that I'm joking about these days is that after I mean after writing several books about visualization and being in the process of writing a new book that I hope will come out next year, but I hope that it will be my last book about visualization. And what I'm okay. doing these days is to help other people write books. So I'm editing the books being written by many other people, right? Oh, so I'm nice. working with, yeah, I'm working with CRC Press as the okay. co-editor of a visualization series of books with Tamara Mansner, who is a researcher in visualization. And we are leading sort of like this collection of, of, of books written by other people. And I usually joke, well, this is the perfect excuse not to write anymore because I can't have <laughs> other people write about all this stuff. And I can just give my opinion about that, right? Very cool. And then just flood the world with new, wonderful books about visualization that I don't need to write. I can just enjoy <laughs> reading them and then play board games. Fantastic. I love it. Um, here's a question. I think it's been asked twice, so I'm going I'm to bring it up now. Uh, here mm -hmm. you go. How did you end? It's a very random question, but how did you end up in Miami? Just change the oh, That's a long story. So, I mean, I'm going to try to make it short. So, I am, I was born in Spain, northwestern Spain. So, I am a Galician. Okay. I was born in Galicia, in La Coruña. And then I, I moved to Madrid. I moved to several places. And I, I originally moved to the United States in 2005 to teach at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I was hired by the head of the visual journalism department over there. His name is Rich Beckman. So he got me into UNC Chapel Hill as a professor. That was the first time that I moved to the U.S. Then after that, I moved to Brazil for quite a while to be the head of graphics at a big media organization down there in Brazil. But then Rich, while I was moving to Brazil, he moved to Miami. Uh, he became the, the night chair in visual journalism at the university. And he phoned me one day, well, he sent me an email one day saying, hey, do you want to come back teaching? You know, uh, we have this teaching position that you want to come back to academia. I said, nah, let's, yeah, sure, let's do that. So I moved to Miami and eventually Rich retired and I took over the position that he had, the, the night chair in, in visual journalism here. So that's sort of like long story short. I'm pleased that you mentioned also the night chair because I was reading that on your datajournalism.com contributor profile when I was mm -hmm. doing my little bit of uh, pre-chat stalking. And my first question is, what is a night chair? Well, it's a night <laughs> chair, right? Some people imagine that as some sort of like uh, armor knight with a sword. I would yeah. love that. I love, again, I love comic books and role-playing games, but that's not what it is. No. Uh, this is related to the Knight Foundation. The Knight Foundation is a foundation that uh, funds efforts in anything from the arts, social justice, but in particular journalism, right? They have a very strong journalism brand and they fund all these positions all over the United States in different universities called the Knight Chairs in Journalism. So there is a Knight Chair in Data Journalism. There is a Knight Chair in Photo photography, there's a night chair in health journalism, and there's a night chair in visual journalism. And I am the one in, so they gave money to UM, to the University of Miami, to create this position, to endow, endow this chair. Okay. And that's the chair that I hold. Nice job. Very cool title. I like it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, um, it sounds great. Yeah, it does, isn't it? Um, one, one last question then, and it, it's for, for my son, it's getting late. I'm fancy going to get a drink and uh, with my wife. Um, talking about liking comic books and stuff. I was speaking to a friend recently who's really into um, uh, comics and uh, Neil, Neil, Ga Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. um, have you watched this um, yeah. thing on Netflix? Course, What's it called again? Of course Sandman. I have. I like was it? eagerly waiting the day that it was launched to see what, and I must say, did you, do you like it? I, I've never read the comic books, but I love oh, the you show. Oh, never read the comic books. No, I'm, I'm, I always wanted to get into graphic, uh, novel, graphic novels or comics I, or whatever they're I, called, re but... I, read, I read The Sandman when it came out. Okay. So I had the actual comic books, not the graphic novels, like the mm. collected editions, but I actually bought the comic books when, it came, when they came out because they came out when I was in, either in high school or, or in college. Okay. And I love that series. And I love what Netflix has, has done good. with the series. I think that it's a really, really good uh, adaptation of the source material. They made okay. many changes, mm. but they were able to capture the spirit, the spirit of the comic book. I really, really enjoyed that series. And tonight, nice. I'm super looking forward to watching... Uh, the 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 new Lord of the Rings um, series that is coming out on in Amazon.com, the Rings of Power. You know, also, yeah, it, it comes out tonight. Yeah, yeah, true. Tonight we are going to release the first few episodes. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's my evening sword. Now, thank you very much for that. <laughs> Nine um, p.m. Eastern time tonight. I have to check what that what that means for me. Oh yeah, because it comes out on Friday, so that's in like half an hour for me or whatever. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, the Sandman. I love the episode where he's walking around with um death. with death yeah that's one of the classic well the comic book version of that is very similar okay it's, it's like you are watching the episode you are i, I know that's an amazing episode actually the character of death mm. eventually had her own comic book series right huh. mini series okay. right that i hope that they will adapt one day because that's another very very good piece of uh, comic okay. book comic book art so yeah that's one of the sandman the sandman is amazing it's one of the yeah. absolute classics yeah my, my my amazon list grows we like all this del this deliveries of books and comics and stuff no but this friend is, yeah <laughs> i get that anyway um thank you so much for coming sure. on and talking about data visualization and all the things we discussed it was an absolute pleasure i have to say really appreciated it and likewise um, Thank everyone in the chat. I certainly appreciate it as well. And thanks to them for asking all the questions and uh, coming on. Actually, I realized you're actually, you're going on um, the show with Adam Saxon a few days, right? That's on Saturday morning, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Which is it's funny because I actually, next week on, on my show, I have Adam Saxton. So we're kind of yeah. doing like a, a switch somehow. <laughs> small, small world. Yeah. I think that is yeah. Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try my best to to. But Saturdays are sometimes hard for me because of kids running around and doing all that sort of stuff. But uh, I always try, you know. I always try. Um, so one last time, thank you so much, and thank you. thanks to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.